Even though we sing, we can't go back. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I go. Sometimes I go back. Not to dwell in those feelings that I had before. But sometimes I go back because it's almost not real. When you compare the pain that you've been through, when you compare the fear and how real it was, and now there's such blessed assurance as the song says. And you, sometimes you got to pinch yourself. He's like, is this real? Is this real? People of God, I hope you know that this is indeed real. There are testimonies in this room, in this church. Thank God that you were willing to be changed by the presence. Thank God that you were a vessel so God and spirit could move through you. But God isn't over yet. God is not over yet. We're thankful, 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 thankful for healing, for transformation, for grace. And there's more of it to come. God, we give you thanks for this blessed day, for all that you have done in our lives. And God, as we just recall from where we have come. God, there are feelings there. There are emotions there. There's even a heartbreak there. And still, God, you are with us the whole time. We're grateful for your presence, the transformation that we have seen, and the transformation that is coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, people of God, this is the third week and last week of our series on healing. And I must say the irony because we're singing, we will not go back. And then as we look at our scripture, Jesus went back. Jesus goes back to Capernaum. Now, you must understand in the Gospel of Mark, not many people know. The Gospel of Mark was the first gospel written out of all four of them. Around the year 70, maybe right before. The first one. And when, so we have something that's first written. It's a little raw, right? Scholars always say the Gospel of Mark, his Greek is horrible. Terrible Greek, scholars tell us. That gives me hope, right? We have a terrible writer that ends up in the scriptures. But even terrible writers can be used by God to transform lives. The gospel of Mark has transformed many lives, but it's very raw. Jesus is showing his raw emotions. Now, we saw a little bit these past couple of weeks. We've seen Jesus deal with lepers, skin disorders. We've seen Jesus deal with demons. And we've seen Jesus go toe-to-toe with closed-minded religious leaders. Now, I don't know which of the three is worse. Now... He does have this tendency to play with our religious sensitivities. But now he's going back to Capernaum. People of God, I hope you see that there is no rest for the weary. Jesus wants to rest. He wants a place to put his head. So he tries to go home, and when he does it, it just doesn't happen. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is home and word has spread. Now, why are people just flocking around him? Why do you think it is? 
Maybe it's because people have heard about his ability to help others just recognize their inherent potential and their innate goodness. Maybe that's why people are drawn to this Jesus. Maybe the crowds are forming because people are drawn to the miracles that have been happening in lives all across Galilee. Or maybe, just maybe, people want to find out just how in the world, how in the world does this Jesus Go up to religious leaders and essentially tell them, take your purity rules and your regulations and shove them where God's grace does not shine. Now I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. But all throughout Mark, Jesus confronts the religious leaders, tells them off and still manages to walk away. Whatever it is, the crowds come, they are drawn, and Jesus talks to every single one of them. He wants to facilitate conversation because that's where God can act when we interact with one another. And so it says that we're in the house. Jesus is engaged in deep conversation, and he doesn't even notice the roof begin to cave on him. This story is very funny, though, isn't it? People of God, you don't realize. Many of us, we read the Bible and we think things are always supposed to be serious. Sometimes there are little intricacies that are very silly and really plain funny. You see that in Mark and you see that in Luke also. And so you've got Jesus in the house with all these folks. And all of a sudden, crumbs, mud starts falling on his head. He doesn't notice it. So deep in conversation. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. If you are in my house, if you are in my living room, and crumbs begin to fall, people begin falling through the roof, the party is over, all right? Done. Whether Jesus is present or whether he is not present. Once you start messing with uh, 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 um, deposits and things like that with apartment complexes, it's not going to happen. And yet here is Jesus not worried about it. Not worried at all. And then all of a sudden, it happens. Jesus sees this person lowered on a mat, and he sees that there is something going on here. He isn't phased one bit. He's amazed at their faithful actions. And in the words of George Clinton in Parliament Funk, he appreciates a gathering where people begin to tear the roof off. But there's something else that Jesus appreciates. You see, he begins to see something in this man on the mat, he begins to see and recognize something. Jesus sees and realizes that this person who's lowered on this mat needs much more than a physical touch, much more than a physical healing. I hope we realize that many times we experience things in our lives, but outward manifestations, sometimes they're only symptoms of something that goes on much, much deeper. There's a story of a high-rise apartment building in New York City. All of a sudden, on the 42nd floor, people are alarmed because there's a crack in the wall. And so they call out an architect, and they call out the structural engineer, and they said, what's going on? This, is, this building's not even 10 years old. We want to know why is there a crack on the 42nd floor. And so the structural engineer and the architect, they come out. The building manager finds out they're on the campus. They're in the building. And so he says, I'm going to go meet them and show them where it is. So he goes up to the 42nd floor, but they're not there. He says, where are they? And one of his colleagues says, they're not here. They went down six floors below ground. They're in the basement, the sixth basement. So he goes down there, takes the elevator, finds them, and says, what are you guys doing here? 
the crack is on the 42nd floor. And the professionals tell him, sir, the crack may be on the 42nd floor, but your problem is not on the 42nd floor. Your problem is down here in the basements. Now, people of God, just like this man who was paralyzed, many of us, we deal with difficulty after difficulty. But many times, because it's on the surface, it's on the cracks of our lives, we just patch things up, make small adjustments, and then they happen over and over again. Meanwhile, our problems aren't on the 42nd floor. We have to go deeper to the foundation. Just like the paralyzed man, there are many of us who can resonate with this. The paralytic character in the gospel story, the problem for him is much deeper. The problem goes to the core of his being. Now, I want you to realize something. In Jesus' day, he criticizes a certain aspect of theology. Jesus criticizing religious leaders and criticizing theology. I love Jesus. In Jesus' day, there was this biblical idea of retribution, retributive justice. And so basically, retribution said that everything that happened in your life is basically your own fault. And so if you do right, God's going to do right to you. You do good, God's going to bless you. But if you do wrong, and if you sin, God is going to curse you, and God is going to hurt you, and God's anger is going to come after you. And so every person in the first century, in the ancient world, if they had a small sickness, if they had a serious illness, every non-able-bodied person, they were looked upon with shame and disdain. They were looked upon as if they weren't even worth the air that they breathe. And so if you were ill in any way, your sin caused it, and so that means you deserved it. And so do you have AIDS? Your sin caused it, and God's anger requires it. That's what people believed back then. Do you have cancer? You reap what you sow. That's God coming after you. That's what people believed back then. Maybe you had a stroke or any other kind of illness. Well, if you weren't doing so many bad things in your life, maybe bad things would not happen to you. That's what people said back then. And unfortunately, there are still too many of us good Christian folks who believe the exact same things today. Now, it may shock us, but Jesus rejects this idea. He sees people and he says, you know what? This person didn't sin. This person's parents didn't sin. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The individual on the mat, he may need some sort of physical healing, but much more than that, people of God, he needs a healing of his humanity. Much more than that, he needs an affirmation of his personhood. He needs his status in the community of God to be restored once again. Maybe you or maybe someone you know, just like this man needs to know that God loves him and that God has always loved him and then that God would never vindictively harm anyone, especially this gentleman. Jesus knows what he needs, and in that moment, it's as if Mother Earth just stopped spinning on the axis. 
Time begins to stand still, and Jesus looks at the paralyzed one on the mat, and Jesus looks at his faithful friends. Jesus looks at everyone in the room. He looks at you, and he looks at me. And he tells us all, my child, your sins are forgiven. My child, you are forgiven. My child, you have been forgiven. My child, you are already forgiven. My child, you will always be forgiven. And yet we hear that. And we might get it here. But I'm not so sure we get it here. You see, whether you can identify with a paralyzed man or not, I think we can all agree that there are certain events and circumstances in our life, certain emotions that we might have that paralyze us, restrict us, and keep us from moving forward and going deeper in our spiritual lives. And Jesus goes to this man, and just with words, you are forgiven. It's as if he's saying, look, God is the giver of life. You are, and you always have been loved, and you are loved now. And so, people of God, there is no disease, there is no circumstance, there's no religious institution or religious leader who can take that away from us. Now, we all need healing in our lives, and the first thing we need healed is our own warped sense of who God is. The second thing we need healed is our own warped sense of who we are. The third thing that we need healed is our warped sense of what the kingdom of God is. Are you forgiven? Maybe that's a question we should ask ourselves. Not just for today. I mean every day. We may get it here. We think we get it here. But until we actually live it out day by day, it will never become true for any of us and for this world. And so are you forgiven? I'll take that as a no. Are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? Well, maybe we should begin to act like we're forgiven then, right? Maybe we should begin to act like God loves us. Maybe. Because if we really believe that God loved us for just being us, maybe we wouldn't want to hate ourselves like we do. Maybe we wouldn't treat ourselves with bad food. Maybe we wouldn't treat ourselves with our addictions. Maybe we wouldn't treat ourselves with negative thoughts and negative words and negative circumstances. If we really loved ourselves, if we really believed it, we wouldn't subject ourselves to that. You know, if we really believe that God does not look upon us with shame, we wouldn't look in the mirror and look at ourselves with shame. If we really believe that we have always been forgiven, we would finally be able to forgive ourselves and sometimes that forgiveness means you ask for help. Now, if we really believe that we are forgiven, then maybe we wouldn't allow others to project their junk onto us. Now, maybe we wouldn't project our junk onto others either. If we really believe that God is love, we would not intentionally set Islamic schools on fire in southeast Houston. We would not discriminate against our trans and gender queer siblings in this city. If we actually believed in our heart of hearts that we indeed are forgiven, we would be proud of ourselves, our spiritual and our sexual selves. If we believed, if we really believed, people of God, we would do everything we can to prevent new HIV infections in this city. Did you know that in 2013... 
The city of San Francisco had 359 new infections of HIV. And that same year in Houston, over three times as much, 1,200 new infections in this city. And so maybe if we really believed it, we wouldn't be ashamed of those little things that look like lollipops in the bathrooms. We would grab them and take them out and give them to our friends and our family members because that is good news and love in action if we really believed it. And if we really believed that God loves us unconditionally, maybe we would stop asking if we're going to hell. I don't know how many times I've visited with people on their deathbed and they still want assurance that they're going to heaven and not going to hell. Now, don't get me wrong. We all got to have a little doubt, healthy doubt in our minds. But to go through your whole life still wondering whether you're okay and you're all right, that's torment and that's hell enough. You don't need any more in the afterlife. If you really believe that you are forgiven and loved by God, people of God, don't worry about hell. Worry about creating heaven right here and right now. If we really believe that we are forgiven, maybe we would stop constantly trying to wrap our heads around a few little Bible verses that talk about sex and Satan and shrimp. I get it. I tried to do it myself. And after three degrees, I can tell you, I tried to do it on the surface with this. But after all the debt I'm in now because of theology school, thank you, God, I finally learned you can only do that right here. This is an intellectual exercise, but this is a God exercise. People of God, if we really believe that we are forgiven and loved unconditionally, if we really believe that God is always with us, if we really believe it, if we really believe it, we will indeed live and act like it. True healing, my friends, must happen here with your own faith and your own God. Now, I'm going to tell you, I love Scripture. And because I love Scripture, I'm going to tell the truth about Scripture. Is that okay? And I'm sorry to tell you that the written words of Scripture don't mean much if you don't have the living word right here. The written words of Scripture don't mean much if you don't have the living word right here the whole time. Now, I want you to hear me, please. I get it. It's not easy. You're not going to change from one day to the next. It's not going to happen like that. We've got plenty of cracks in our lives, but there comes a time, like in the Gospel of Mark, where you've got to blow the roof off of all your problems and go down to the heart of what's actually ailing you. There's a time in the Gospel of Mark where you've got to say, forget what people think. Forget what I think. If I'm going to be whole and healthy and where God wants me to be, then I've got to go down to the foundation and fix one thing nice and for all. It can't happen one day, but it can happen beginning today, and it can continue to happen in your life. But if you keep healing on the surface level of your being, if you keep it on the 42nd floor, people of God, the cracks are still going to come. The problems are still going to come. The issues are still going to come. But if you go down to the basement... If you go down to the sixth floor underground, 
and you actually do the hard work that God wants you to do, maybe, just maybe, you'll be forgiven for real. And then not just that, after you're forgiven, just maybe, just maybe, you'll begin to have a miracle and a healing in your own life. Maybe, just maybe, the rest of your life will be impacted because of God's forgiveness. Maybe, just maybe, you move from fear to love, and you experience everyday miracles. Hint, hint, that's our Lenten series coming up next week. Just maybe, 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 as Dr. Emily Towns says in our first reading, let's stop being less than, and let's actually start taking what Jesus says and who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Let's take it seriously. Do you believe you're forgiven? Do you believe it? Will you work on it, please? People need you. If you're healthy, you can feed other people also. People of God, miracles are happening and they will continue to happen. Be healed, but be forgiven. Amen.